0: Well, good morning, good evening, good afternoon, Oasis Church, and Roger, thank you so much for that. You are such a valuable part of this community. We love you so deeply, and uh, guys, it's so crazy. He came up to me right after... Uh, came up here to record my portion, uh, and he said, give him heaven, and that almost brought tears to my eyes, because every time before I preach, I grew up, and my dad would tell me, baby girl, give him heaven, and so, and he didn't know that, and so I'm already like, whoa, what is God doing? I'm so excited uh, to be here with you, and I really believe Um, That the word that God has for us today is going to be something that is going to impact you and help you to move on into what God has for you. So excited about it. Um, I mentioned to you last time I had uh, the opportunity to speak about my two little girls. I've got Eden who just turned five and Sayla, who's three and y'all Sayla cracks me up. Like she is so funny and she's about this big, but she has the biggest personality. Um, one of the things out of the many things that she does that makes me and my husband just lose it. Uh, she's so unpredictable. Right. But when they start to turn about two, three, it's like, they want that freedom of making choices, right? They want options. And so, uh, when Eden, in, my five-year-old, when she was about that age, I would set out two or three outfits in the morning. Hey, baby girl, do you want this or do you want this? She would pick the one she likes. Snack time. Hey, do you want this or do you want this? She would pick one of the options. Now, fast forward, we've got Sayla who's at that age where she wants to decide, but I've still got to give her those parameters of do you want this or do you want this? But here is Sailor for you. This this describes her completely. If we're at snack time and I say, "Hey baby girl, would you like blueberries or strawberries?" Mm, I'll have a banana. Uh, that wasn't one of the options. <laughs> we're out of bananas. Like I literally can't do that for you. So I can give you blueberries or strawberries. I would like a banana. And she just bunkers down on it. And we're like, baby girl, we don't have any. Uh, another example, if you notice, my um, nails are just fabulous today. Uh, because the other day spending time with her and I said, hey, baby girl, do you want me to paint your fingernails or your toenails? And she goes, I'll paint your nails, coming up with her own option again, and, uh, and so I'm just sporting a couple different shades of pink um, that are just absolutely wonderful. We're going to make sure that you all get to see this, Selah's artwork, uh, but I love that my little Selah decides to come up with her own options. And when she's presented with this or that, her little mind can always see beyond those into another option, into another way of doing things. Um, And even though in the moment, sometimes it can kind of create some stress for me, I love her ability to do that. And it got me thinking about our lives and situations that we come up to in life where it feels like we've got one of two options. Uh, It's referred to as you're stuck between a rock and a hard place, right? It's like this difficult option or this difficult option. And it feels like you've got to pick one. And those are the situations in life that we kind of get stressed out. Have you ever been there? I can't see you, but I believe you're raising your hand because I pretty much know we've all been there right? Uh, And you're just like, hey, like, this situation is happening. I just lost my job. It feels like I've either got this option or this option. Uh, Not really excited about either one of them. I feel like I'm really stuck between a rock and a hard place. Uh, Maybe you're facing a diagnosis and the doctors are telling you, you've got this option or this option. And it feels like you're stuck between a rock and a hard place. I have found that that place in our life creates two opportunities. It creates, A, an opportunity for the enemy to really get a foothold in your life and to create fear and anxiety, or it creates an opportunity in your life for you to lean into your walk with Christ and allow yourself to be embraced by God like never before. And one thing we have to realize is that when life presents this or that, God always has another way. He's the God of another Way. And that's what I want to talk to you guys about today. But before we get into our scripture, uh, would you all just join me and let's pray over this message, pray over our hearts and our spirits to receive. God, we thank you for this message. We thank you for your word because it's alive and it is active and it is actively convicting me, moving me, changing me. And I thank you that I get to be on that journey along with some amazing friends and family in this church community. We pray for the listener. It's on my heart right now. The listener that is tuning in for the first time. And maybe this is your first time hearing a message in a long time. God wants you to know that he sees you. And the fear that you're dealing with that led you to this link today, he's going to address that. And he wants to be there for you right now in this moment. And, um, and for you to just be aware that he is with you. And he's really proud of you for pressing this link and watching this and leaning into this. So I just encourage you to receive. God, we thank you. We love you. In your name we pray. Amen. Amen. Okay, guys, so we are going to be studying Exodus 14 today. If you know me, I love the word, and so we're just going to dive right in, okay? Uh, But before we get to Exodus 14, we're going to be starting Exodus 14, verse 10. I like to say it a couple times because sometimes you move so fast and you're trying to get there and you don't have time. So Exodus 14, verse 10. So as you're finding that... um, let me set the scene for you. What's happening here. So God raised up Moses. He's one of my favorite uh, figures in scripture. I love this man and everything that he represents to our humanity and our and what it looks like to follow Jesus uh, and be human. Um, and so God raises up Moses, even though he had a lot of excuses, he ended up saying, yes, have we all been there? Yes. Uh, and so he raises him up and he says, hey, you're going to be the one to set my Israelites free from Egyptian captivity. Maybe you've known the story. There's all these plagues that hid and all these things. And God uses Moses to set the Israelites free. They were slaves. And now finally, Pharaoh decides through a series of events that he's going to let the Israelites go. And so God made the Israelites a promise. What was that promise? He promised them that they would that he would lead them to a new land called the promised land and that would be their land their ter- territory as God's people. And so God was using Moses to get them there to fulfill this promise, right? And so what's interesting to me about this is right before we pick up in 14:10 uh, The Israelites, they're finally let go, right? And so they're headed out of Egypt. And right when they get to the Egyptian border of of Egypt in a place called Etham, they're headed east and God stops them right at the Egyptian border. And he tells them to go south. Now, what's unique about that is that in telling them to go south, God purposely blockaded them up against the Red Sea. When they were about to be scot-free, they were about to be out of Egyptian territory. And God said, no, I want you to go south, stay in Egyptian territory, and I'm going to put you in front of a Red Sea (laughs) with two million men, women, children, these families. And Moses said, okay, let's go. So they go south. Then here's what else God does. He says, all right, well, I'm also going to harden Pharaoh's heart and I'm going to make him regret that he ever let you guys go. And he's going to get all of his armies and they're going to come after you. And now you're going to be stuck between the Red Sea and Pharaoh's armies. Stuck between a rock and a hard place. That's probably an understatement. (laughs) So here's where we pick up in verse 10. As Pharaoh approached, the Israelites looked up and there were the Egyptians marching after them. They were terrified, terrified can you imagine and cried out to the Lord they said to Moses was it because there were no graves in Egypt that you brought us out to the desert to die what have you done to us by bringing us out of Egypt didn't we say to you in Egypt leave us alone let us serve the Egyptians they were regretting that they left slavery at this point it must have been pretty bad it would have been better for us to serve the Egyptians than to die in the desert Moses answered the people, do not be afraid. Stand firm and you will see the deliverance the Lord will bring you today. The Egyptians you see today, you will never see again. The Lord will fight for you. You need only to be still. Continuing on in verse 15. Then the Lord said to Moses, why are you crying out to me? Tell the Israelites to move on. I can't hear you, but just say it to yourself out loud. Move on. (laughs) Thank you, Natasha. Raise your staff and stretch out your hand over the sea to divide the water so that the Israelites can go through the sea on dry ground. I will harden the hearts of the Egyptians so that they will go in after them and I will gain glory through Pharaoh and all his army, through his chariots and his horsemen. The Egyptians will know that I am the Lord when I gain glory through Pharaoh, his chariots and his horsemen. I didn't have this prepared, but I do feel that God wants me to say something right here real quick. One of the reasons that God had to set this up this way and intervene this way in the Israelites life was that they feared the Egyptians more than they trusted God. And he had to do a dramatic display of strength and power for them to understand that there was nothing to fear in the Egyptians, but that God's glory would reign supreme every time. So if there's something you're dealing with right now where you're fearing a situation more than you're trusting God, this is for you. So let's lean into that. Have you? Uh, so we've been in these places where it feels like we're in between a rock and a hard place, right? But the first thing that Moses tells all of these people, I mean, honestly, let's think about the fact that he had to lead over 2 million people out of slavery. Like, what kind of leadership skills it takes to do that? I have a hard time getting both my girls dressed, teeth brushed, breakfast, in the car, into school. So I literally can't imagine, but they're all freaking out because, I mean, honestly, I would be too. Let's be fair, right? I've got my kids, my husband, and we're stuck between a Red Sea and an army, what in the world is God doing to us? I'm gonna be scared. I'm gonna be beyond scared. And so that's where they were in this moment. And you know what Moses tells them? The first thing he tells them was to fear not. To fear not. Which probably was annoying to hear at the moment. (laughs) But that was the first instruction that he gave them. You know, we've been going through this series talking about growing together and our family values. And uh, the last time I spoke, I talked about how one of the things that's required for growth is movement. And the enemy's job is to hinder movement, right? One of the largest ways, most impactful ways that the enemy is going to do that, he's going to plant fear and anxiety in your life, in your heart, and in your spirit that will paralyze you. Because if you are paralyzed, then you can't move. And if you can't move, you can't grow. And so that's what was happening right here. I don't take this topic of fear and anxiety lightly at all. Uh, After my two girls were born, I dealt with a lot of anxiety. And I honestly had no idea where it came from because I hadn't ever dealt with it before. Um, I'm normally like my head so in the clouds that a lot of things kind of just pass me by a lot of times. And after they were born, it was like, dang, I could not get a break. And I was like, where is this coming from, this heaviness in my spirit? And uh, I know there's over 40 million just adults in America that deal with uh, severe anxiety. And so this is a real thing. This is not something that as Christians we just say, oh, you just gotta have some more faith and get over it. Put a smile on your face, you got this. No, it is not to be downplayed like that. But we also have to recognize that while this is a very real physical clinical thing, this is also a spiritual attack. There is also a spiritual element to this that if we can be gripped by it, then the enemy can use that as a way to keep us silent and to keep us just paralyzed to where we can't move on into what God has for us because we're too afraid of what it might be and all the what ifs start going off in our mind. What if this happens? What if that happens? And we end up just not doing anything. And if you find yourself in that boat today, I believe that God has something really special for you and he really wants to help free up some of that stuff going on in your spirit, going on in your mind, that you would walk away from this feeling like, wow, I don't have to live with this spirit of constant fear. Jesus said in John 14, 27, peace I leave with you, my peace I give you. I do not give you as the world gives. The world will give you plenty of reasons to be afraid. It's kind of some people's job. (laughs) Do not let your hearts be troubled and do not be afraid. Do you know the context of when Jesus spoke this to his disciples? He spoke this to them at the Last Supper when he was telling them that he was about to be crucified and leave them. Can you imagine sitting down at a table, hearing your Messiah, this man that you followed, this man that you've seen witness miracles, and you know this is the Son of God, and and he's telling you, I'm about to die a brutal death, and I'm about to leave you. The fear that must have gripped them anxiety that must have gripped them. Where are you going, Jesus? Why would you leave us? Why would you do that? But then he tells them, my peace I give you. I do not give you as the world gives. What is he referring? He later on says in that passage that he's going to leave them the Holy Spirit. That the Holy Spirit would be their peace. That the Holy Spirit would give them what the world can't give them. That is why as believers in Jesus Christ, it is so important for us to understand the partnership that we have with the Holy Spirit because that is the gift that Jesus left for us. That is what we possess, that we don't have to walk in fear, that we don't have to walk in what ifs because we know what it is. We have the Holy Spirit. He is our peace. He is our guide. And when these anxieties and these fears trip up. Guess what? You can go to him with all of it. He's not intimidated by any of it. And you can be open and honest about what it is you're feeling, you're thinking, you're carrying. Bring it to Jesus. Bring it to the Holy Spirit and let peace come over you. I know God has that for you today. So the first thing Moses tells them is, fear not. Fear not. And then he tells them, stand firm. He says, stand firm. Uh, what does that mean? <laughs> I think standing firm means that you're going to dig your heels in on something. Uh, this probably happens a lot in marriage, but not in like, and if you're in a relationship, you know, like, okay, you're going to dig your heels in on stuff. And uh, so I remember when me and my husband first got married, we were having some strong fellowship as we like to refer to it. And uh, basically I moved into the apartment that he was living in and it it, it looked trash guys. Like honestly, not because it was messy. He's like the cleanest guy ever, but it was so empty. I was like, is this a storage? unit or is this a home? Like what is happening right now? You know, he had a folding chair. He had a trash can. And he had the world's ugliest comforter. And I moved in and I said, no, no, no. No, 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 no. This is, this cannot be it. I cannot have people come over to this space and think that I condone this. This space is also a representation of me, baby. And I love interior design. I love decorating, making a space feel like home. And so I remember when we first got married, I was telling him I was excited. You know, our first space together, I'm like, we should do this and this and this. And he's like, nah, nah, nah. You know, he sounds nothing like that. But, uh, and so we were just going back and forth. And he was really digging his heels and like, nah, I don't want to do that. I don't want to do that. And I was like, babe okay, let's just do a comparison of where I lived before we got married and where you lived before we got married. Um, Which home seemed to be uh, one that was more welcoming and inviting and cozy? Oh, yours, definitely, definitely, definitely. Okay, so then I need you to trust me in this subject (laughs) and let me take over. And so he finally relented, right? And sometimes we dig our heels in on the wrong thing and then we find out all along we put up a fight for nothing, right? But I can promise you, promise you, when you dig your heels in on a promise that God has given you, that will never turn void. When you dig your heels in on the word of God, that will never turn void. And sometimes what life does is we see all the circumstances around us and it makes us doubt the promises of God. The Israelites did this very same thing. They see that the armies are against them. They see that there's no way through this Red Sea and they started to doubt every promise. They actually wanted to go back to slavery. They actually wanted to go back to bondage. And in this moment, they lost sight of the fact that God had promised them that they would be led to the promised land, a place that God had for them flowing with milk and honey. That was the promise. But in this moment, they turned every which way and forgot the promise. But Moses told them, stand firm. What promise in your life has God given you that life in itself seems to contradict what God is telling you? Hold, hold tight to that promise. Stand firm on what God has told you. It will come to pass. It will. Growing up, my dad would always say, uh, baby girl, when you've done everything to stand, stand. That's my guy voice. All guys sound the same. When I imitate them, it is what it is. But my dad would always tell me that. And I never, to be honest with you, I never really understood the levity or the gravity of what he was saying until 2006. In 2006, my mom started having strokes, a lot of them. And she landed in ICU. And the doctors were trying to figure out, why is this happening? Um, And so she had gotten to the point where she was debilitated. And they did a scan of her neck and her brain, and they found out, um, out of the four arteries that you have in your neck that are bringing blood to your brain, two of them um, were, were deteriorating, and parts of those arteries were going up to her brain, causing strokes. And then out of the other two, one of them was filled with blood clots. And so one blood clot loosens, aneurysm, she's gone. And so... They hadn't really ever seen anything like this, and they were trying to figure out what are we going to do. And during that season, my family, we were church planting in Ohio, and my dad um, was trying to hold it together for me and my sisters, trying to figure out what is happening with his wife, trying to hold up this this church and ministry that God had given our family um, and this group of people that we loved so dearly that we were living life with. But we were asking like, what is happening? And throughout that whole season, my dad would repeat, girls, we gotta stand firm. And so in 2006, they put my mom in, and they froze the body down to stop her, the blood flow. And they went to go try and replace one of her arteries so that she would have more arteries to bring all the blood that she needed to her brain but it wasn't working. And so by the end of the surgery, they just said, 10 hours later, they just said, hey, we can't get this to work. We've got to sew her up, send her home. We're not really sure what the outcome of this is gonna be because we weren't able to fix anything or make anything better. And so I remember when my mom got home from brain surgery and it was hard for her to walk. Her face was so swollen, her eyes were just like slits. And my dad's helping her get to their bedroom. And got her in bed. He shut the door. And I'm in the living room outside of their bedroom just praying. And my dad's praying over my mom. And he's saying, baby, we're going to stand firm. We're going to stand firm. We know the promises of God. We know the calling that God has on your life. My mom is an anointed woman of God. And so we as a family stood firm in that season. And I am so grateful to tell you that she's still here with us today (laughs) she's my best friend and God has sustained her life since 2006 he has sustained her life to the doctor's disbelief and he will do the same thing because he's the God of another way he'll do the same thing for you no matter what it is that you're facing all you have to do is stand firm I'm sorry, y'all, I'm a basket case when I talk about my mom and dad and the faith that they've stood on that has created a firm foundation for me. One of the promises that we as a family cling to during that season, one of the scriptures that came to life for me in that season uh, is Luke 18, 27. And Jesus said, uh, but he said, the things that are impossible with people are possible with God. The things that are impossible for people are possible for God. And you can stand firm on the fact that God will come through for you when it looks like, hey, the doctors are saying this, or your boss is saying this, or you feel called to, to act or to sing or to be an artist. You feel called to be a veterinarian, or and it feels like there's these obstacles in the way. No, if there's a promise that God put in your heart, It's his job to fulfill it, and he will every single time. There's a quote I love, and it says that God will fulfill the desires in which he created. If he put that thing in you, if he gave you that promise, if he said, hey, I'm leading you to a place, a promised land flowing with milk and honey, the milk and honey that he has specifically reserved for you, the things that seem impossible with people are possible for God. And so, the thing that seems impossible in your life right now, it is possible with God. You can stand firm on that. And when the Israelites took the time to do that and gathered themselves, they were able to receive their next instruction from Moses. He told them, Fear not, stand firm. And then he tells them, Be still. it gets awkward when we do that, right? Like three seconds feels like an eternity. (laughs) Be still. And I was actually thinking about the context of this. Have you ever been in a situation where something happens and you're starting to freak out? Uh, I've done this before. And then my mind starts to race with all the what ifs. And uh, I mean, don't leave me hanging here, but how many people do we have watching that you're a fixer? Like, if there's a problem, you're going to fix it. You're going to find a solution. If your best friend calls you uh, and she's venting about something, telling you about something, you're about to go defend your girl and you're about to go fix this problem, right? Because we got to do something. We got to do something about this. That's where the Israelites found themselves. We got to do something about this. We can't just sit here. We can't just wait around. Like, what are we doing? doing? What are we doing? But Moses said, be still. It would almost be annoying to me if I was venting to a best friend or to my husband about a massive situation in my life. And I'm like, you want not believe it. This and this and this and this. And I'm so stressed. What is happening? We got to do this. We got to do this. Maybe for a job search. And you're, you're in a season right now where you're like, I don't know where this next, this next paycheck is coming in. I've got to do dot dot da, 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 da. I've got to solve this problem quick. And so we resort to all of our resources to fix the problem. But that's not what the Israelites were instructed to do. In verse 14, it said, the Lord will fight for you. You need only to be still. The Lord will fight for you. You need only to be still. There's somebody who needs to hear this because you're a doer and being still is difficult for you because you feel like in being still, you're not achieving anything. And you feel like you're just going to move backwards if you don't do something, if you don't engage. But let me encourage you with this wait is a verb, it's a verb. And when you are waiting, what you are doing is allowing the Lord to fight for you like he promised he would. And it's just another opportunity to stand firm. You can be still in the presence of God and know that he is God. Know that he has your back. Know that you only need to be still because he is fighting for you. And in all the energy that you're going to expend trying to use your your resources, sources, to to fix a problem. God's like, hey, by the way, I have resources that you could have never imagined. I have solutions that you could have never thought of. And I can do it quicker than you ever could. You need only to be still. You need only to be still. The people that are closest in my life um, are the people that I can be in the car with. We're riding. Nobody's saying anything. We're just chill. Chilling in each other's presence. Because the presence of that person is enough. God longs to have that with you. That when the Israelites were facing this situation where it was like, what are we going to do? And they're like, how are we going to fight? How are, We can't build a boat. What, what resources do we have? What are we going to do? And God's saying, hey, I got I, I got this. I, I got this. And so what he wanted from them in that moment was for them to be still. And scripture actually encourages us to do that. Look at Psalms 37.7. It says, Be still in the presence of the Lord and wait patiently for him to act. Wait patiently for God to act. It's not about us proving to God that we can do this or do that or proving to other people that we can solve this or we can manage this or we can fix this. No, no. It's about trusting God, sitting back and let God do what God said he was going to do. Be still and wait patiently for him to act. There's another one, another one in Psalms uh, 62 verses 5 through 6. It says, let all that I am wait quietly before God for my hope is in him. He alone is my rock and salvation, my fortress where I will not be shaken. No circumstance in my life is going to shake me out of the knowledge that my God is with me and he is for me. There is nothing in my life that will shake me from that because I know that my life is built upon the rock where Jesus talked about if your house is built upon shifting sand. No, that's not where my house is built. My house is built upon the rock. The rock is Jesus Christ. He is the source of my salvation. He is my future. He is my present and he has covered my past. My past. All we have to do is be still before God. Allow yourselves to be in that vulnerable place that can sometimes feel awkward if we're being honest, where you're like sitting in a quiet room hoping that something spiritual will happen. Lean into that. And one day something will happen. (laughs) But be still before God. Be still before God. So the last thing that Moses tells them, and I'm going to repeat these so many times that you're going to walk away from this like... You're going to be saying it in your sleep, y'all. He tells them, fear not, stand firm, be still. And then lastly, he says, move on, move on. I love what God says. He says, why are you crying out to me? Like, why y'all out here freaking out, screaming, all this stuff? Tell the Israelites to move on. And that's so funny because at that point, he tells them to move on before he tells Moses how that's going to happen. And I don't think that that's by mistake. There's going to be times in your life where God's like, hey, it's ready for you. I'm ready for you to do this. Do what? I, I don't understand how. <laughs> and God's like, hey, I, I didn't, I just wanted you to trust me in this. It's, it's time to move. It's time to move. Um, and so he tells him that. And then he says, raise your staff and stretch out your hand over the, the sea to divide the water so that the Israelites can go through on dry ground. You know what's so funny to me about this? As we were talking about how like God has these, uh, he has solutions that we, we don't have. This is a prime example. I mean, from their perspective, the solutions they had were we, we die trying to cross the sea or we die trying to fight the armies. It never occurred to them. Oh, why don't we ask God to part the Red Sea so we can walk through on dry land and then ask him to swallow up our enemies as they chase us? Like, who would have ever thought of that? But here's God saying, hey, it's time to move on. This is what I'm going to do. Also, if we could simply put ourselves in their perspective as they were walking through the Red Sea. Imagine with me, there's two massive walls of waves on either side of them and they're walking through and every step they take further into the Red Sea that's parted, they have to trust God every step of the way that these walls of waves are not gonna come crashing down on them. They are literally walking by faith. That's why it says we walk by faith and not by sight because sometimes our sight deceives us because our sight is limited, our perspective is limited And God is up here in aerial view and he can see everything and he can do everything and anything. And so it's no coincidence to me that the first three things that Moses tells the Israelites addressed their inward life. The first three instructions were all about, hey, inwardly, you're freaking out right now. I'm gonna need you to chill. You are so afraid right now. I'm gonna need you to just trust in Jesus, receive his peace (laughs) and your mind is racing scheming up ways to get out of this just be still the first three instructions he gave them were to address their inner world and then after they have the right posture inwardly he directs them outwardly it's time to move it could be that because you are not allowing God to address what he needs to address inwardly, that you haven't moved on to the next thing. You've got to start there first. You've got to start there first. Because if you don't, you won't even have the ability to walk through that Red Sea because you won't trust that the, wa- that the walls of waves will come down on you. You won't even have the trust to, dis- to sustain you on that journey because the things that God calls you to in themselves require faith and obedience. But if you don't cultivate those things in your life first, you won't have it to walk through. So they had to cultivate those things in their life first so that they could even walk through the Red Sea on dry land and trust that God would sustain them the whole way through on the other side. God will do it. He will do it. But you have to grasp that in your own spirit. And when you do, you will be a force to be reckoned with that you will be moving forward into all that God has for you. That you will be, and, and you know what's really cool about it too, is all of this happened, and then who got the glory? God. And uh, this is what God does. And it's. I'm not saying that it's my favorite thing. I'm going to be honest with you. I'm, I'm not like, oh, this is so cool. But there are situations that God puts us in he did it to Job. There's a lot of other people. He'll put us in these situations where we're feeling like, why am I here? And God's like, hey, I got it. I just need you to trust me. But this isn't about you. This is about other people getting to witness my glory. So I just need you to trust me because I got you. I got you. I got you. So when, G- when God tells them to move, they move. Today, I don't know what impossibilities it is that you're facing. I don't know what circumstances are in your way what rock and hard place you find yourself in between what options you feel like you're being forced to choose between and none of them feel right but i do know that we serve the god of another way i do know that we serve a god who's going to come through for you you need only to be still so i encourage you today find a space get away. There's going to be questions that come up on your screen. Find a space to have a conversation with God where you simply say, here, God, these are the things I'm afraid of. This is what's happening in my life. I I have a lot of anxiety over it. I am scared. I don't know what's going to happen. I'm frantically trying to find solutions. I'm exhausted. I've forgotten what it is that you've promised me, and I just want to get all of that back. And when you do, God, will he will let you know what the next step is. He's a light unto your feet. He doesn't light the path. And that's what's going to keep you close to him. Can I pray over you? God, the God of another way, we're so grateful that you've always got another option. We see options A and B, and you've got the rest of the alphabet and then some. We thank you for that. I pray right now for those that are gripped by fear that you would free them in this moment, that they would literally feel a lightness come over them. I pray, Father, for those that have forgotten what it is that you've spoken to them or they've lost Touch with it. They've lost hope. They've lost belief. They've lost faith in the promises that you've spoken over them. The promises that you'll be a mother. The promises that you'll be uh, have find an amazing spouse. The promises of the career or, or whatever it is that they've lost touch of those promises. I pray, Father, that they would gain that reconfidence today. That they would stand firm. And I pray for those that are exhausted from trying to solve what only you can solve. I pray that they would rest in you. And God, in your timing, as you call us to move on, I pray that we would have the faith to do so and that you would get the glory through all of it. We love you so much, God. In your name we pray. Amen. I really do love you, Oasis Church. You're a blessing to my life, and I hope you have an amazing week.